Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include what's going on in the world of credit, my interview with Voxtra Analytics Chief Compliance Officer Stacey Mester on attorney opinion letters, title insurance alternatives, and title waivers, and what the latest house price indexes told us about the housing market. Thanks to this week's podcast sponsor, Black Knight. Black Knight's data and analytics solutions help lenders mitigate risk and generate more leads and reduce costs. As a result, lenders across the U.S. trust Black Knight's data and analytics to help them be more competitive and grow their business. Loan originators everywhere say that the deals have become harder given affordability issues, with easy refis long gone and borrowers with little or no credit. Interest rates are higher, short contract times are happening, there's affordability, quality standards, borrowers' variable income, LOs not doing their homework and submitting files, and borrowers having multiple jobs or quitting before the loan funds. The list goes on and on. A report by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau revealed that 11% Americans have a thin or stale score file, and therefore it's impossible to generate a current, valid credit score for them. Another 11% are considered to be credit invisible, meaning that they don't have a credit file with any of the three major credit bureaus. That's a total of 22% of the adult population of the United States, around 50 million people, that don't have a credit score at all. As an investor or lender, and one of these adults wants to buy a home, even with a meager inventory of for-sale homes, you have a product for them? The credit industry and reporting is in a state of flux. Earlier this year, the price of running credit shot up, causing a scramble at every lender trying to figure out the most cost-effective way to evaluate borrowers. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac set forth a proposed implementation timeline for their credit score and reports initiative, Tri-Merge to Buy-Merge. As always, check with your credit provider or the agency itself for schedules. For today's interview, I want to welcome onto the show Voxter Analytics Chief Compliance Officer Stacy Mester to talk about attorney opinion letters, title insurance alternatives, and title waivers. She serves as Chief Legal Compliance Officer for Voxter Analytics Corporation, a North American technology company creating a more transparent and accessible real estate lending ecosystem. In this role, Stacy serves as Principal Legal Counsel and manages the company's legal affairs and strategies, including corporate governance, securities and corporate finance commercial, litigation, compliance, privacy, labor and employment, and intellectual property legal issues. She played a key role in the creation, development, and agency acceptance of the Voxter AOL and continues to serve as the executive sponsor for the Voxter AOL offering. I want to start by asking you to bring listeners up to speed on recent misinformation in the press related to the use of attorney opinion letters in lieu of title insurance. Can, can you fill listeners in a little bit? Yeah, of course. So I I think there's actually two components to it. The most recent one was was sort of a conflating of title alternatives and title waivers. And what I mean by that is that that those are two very different things. But the releases most recently put out by Alta seem to treat them as if they were one. Um, So to sort of distinguish between the two, I'll start with title waivers. Title waivers are something that that came into discussion not that long ago. And they happened to come about as sort of a rumor that Fannie Mae was going to implement some sort of a title waiver pilot. Um, You know, interestingly, Fannie Mae never confirmed that. It was always sort of this reported 
rumor of information. And so when Alton most recently announced that Fannie was no longer going to do that, it was it was sort of a denouncement of of nothing because it had never officially been confirmed. Now, obviously, a title waiver would be Fannie saying that we're going to allow this loan to close without any title insurance or alternative to title insurance at all. So no real title protection versus a title alternative which does provide some protection. It's just not title insurance as that's traditionally known. It's a different type of protection. So those things are different. Fannie has, you know, hasn't announced that they're going to allow title waivers at all. Um, and apparently there's now a rumor that that whatever they were going to allow is not going to be allowed. So I think that's sort of a non-event versus title alternatives, which Fannie has indicated that they will accept um, and that dates back to April of 2022 when they changed, when Fannie changed their guidelines to allow for the use of attorney opinion letters as an alternative to title insurance. So when we talk about alternatives, we're talking about the AOL alternative attorney opinion letter um, versus title waivers, which, which has never really become a validated or confirmed thing by Fannie. Um, so I would say that's kind of the first distinction that needs to be made. And then, you know, there have been different, I would say, different types of misinformation put out over the past year and a half or so since Fannie did make that announcement that they were willing to accept AOLs as title alternatives. Um, Alta has been very vocal about their objection to that. Understandably, they do represent the title insurance industry. And there being an alternative to title insurance does impact the bottom line of title insurers. So it's it's understandable that Alta has objection to those. Their objections have come in the form of what I would call misinformation. Um, they started out by, you know, there's there's been a comparison document that's been circulated widely throughout the industry. That document takes what is purportedly an insured attorney opinion letter, which is what we at Voxter are have put out into the market, an insured version of an attorney opinion letter. So that comparison does does present an insured version, but it is not the insurance that we've put out. It's it's a it's a policy basically was put out into the industry prior to our insured attorney opinion letter coming out. It is not what we use today. So I would say the entire comparison is inaccurate generally because it doesn't represent what we're using today. Um, secondly, there are just some, some, I would say, highlight points that continually get reinforced in the marketplace as being things that the insured attorney opinion letter lacks. Um, and I think that is in, in and of itself misinformation. So just to kind of walk through a couple of those, um, you know, I think there's this, this sort of understanding that if the attorney that issues the opinion letter goes out of business, then there's no longer coverage. That's not how our insured attorney opinion letter works. Um, similar to that, there's the understanding that if an attorney has malpractice insurance, that that's the insurance that is being referred to when we talk about an insured attorney opinion letter. And that malpractice is traditionally difficult um, and wouldn't provide a good, a good process or claims process for the consumer or the lender. We don't disagree with that at all. 
but that is not the insurance that we're relying on. We have created a specialty insurance wrapper that goes around our attorney opinion letters and provides coverage that is much more robust than traditional attorney malpractice coverage. Um, and then I'll, you know, I'll highlight a third is that a lot of times people point out that there's no there's no duty by the insurer to defend in the case of an attorney opinion letter versus a title insurance policy where the insurer does have a duty to defend. Again, because we have put this more robust form of insurance wrapper around our attorney opinion letter, we actually do provide that same coverage. So our insurers do actually have a duty to defend. Um, and I would just say it goes on and on. There are a few things like that that understandably where Alta is coming from, they are referring back to how an attorney opinion letter traditionally existed. And there are certainly limitations and shortfalls in that traditional version of an attorney opinion letter as it would be an alternative. We have specifically solved for all of those issues with our insured version. And that's really where the misinformation is stemming from. I'm glad you brought up attorney opinion letters because you played a key role in the creation, development, and agency acceptance of the Voxter AOL and continue to serve as the executive sponsor for the future Voxter AOL offering. Can you explain kind of the, the legal jurisdiction of an AOL? It, it sounds like something, you know, something that somebody would write as an op-ed to the Wall Street Journal or something like that, rather than a, a, uh, a real legal document. But can, can you give a little more information there? Yeah, of course. So attorney opinion letters, and not to give you a, a history lesson, that's probably not what anyone wants to hear right now, but attorney opinion letters have been around for hundreds of years. So they they were actually relied on prior to the existence of title insurance. Um, and all that means is that an attorney reviews the title records and issues a letter with his or her opinion as to the status of title. Um, so for us, it was really about how do we take something that's been in existence for a really long time and been relied upon for hundreds of years and make it competitive what with what has become you know the standard today which is a title insurance policy and so that's where we started and really it exists in the form of a letter that would come from a law firm um, and it it provides an opinion as to lien position provides an opinion as to the encumbrances that exist and it provides coverage around those particular things um, in the same way that a title insurance policy would. And so it protects not only the person or the entity to whom the letter is addressed, it also protects their successors and in interest. So that would include the lender as well as any investor down the line, including Fannie or Freddie, um, and would also include the consumer or the borrower. So we've we've solved for all of those shortcomings of traditional attorney opinion letters with our version of the insured AOL. Very well put. So how do you see the issue of misinformation evolving from here? How does that get rectified? And I guess on top of that, how does how does it come to be that AOLs or uh, title alternatives are, are seen as uh, much more legitimate by the by the industry as a whole, rather than these waivers that have been happening? You know, I think with anything, anytime you try to change an industry that hasn't been changed in 150 years, it really is, there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve for everybody involved. And so that's really what we've been dealing with for this past couple of years. And it's to be expected. 
So it's just a matter of making sure that people understand, which is, you know, part of the reason that we're we're having this conversation today too, is making people understand what coverage is there and what coverage is not, um, you know, clearing up misinformation. And I think the more, the more the message is spread and people understand the coverage that actually exists with the insured version of the attorney opinion letter, you're going to see more and more adoption. And that's really been, that's how we've seen it play out over the past couple of years. You know, we've got, um, we've got aggregators who accept it now that, that in the beginning didn't because now they understand and they vetted the coverage themselves. Um, and, you know, we've talked to countless lenders gone through their legal and compliance departments. They agree the coverage is sufficient and that they approve of it. And obviously we've gone through those processes with Fannie and Freddie as well. So they've seen all of the underlying coverage. They've seen the letter templates. And I think it's just a matter of, you know, spreading the word and making sure that people understand that what we're putting forth is not what existed 200 years ago. It's a it's a modernized version of an attorney opinion letter, and it it truly is a viable alternative to title insurance. Um, you know, and that said, it's it's going to be um, it's going to be, you know, a bit of a to make sure that everybody in the industry understands that, particularly when there is much political support for title insurance and for Alta. It's very large, you know, $20 billion industry. So it's certainly uh, it's certainly an uphill battle in making sure that people understand that what we've created can compete with that industry. But I would say, you know, agency by agency and lender by lender, we are we are doing that. Well, if it's going to take a lot of work, let's get started, you and me here today. And I'll, I'll close by asking you, where are the best places for people to obtain accurate and reliable information on this matter? We have a good bit of information up on, on the Voxter website, which is just voxtervoxtur.com um, under the AOL section. And then honestly, I've you know, I've served as a, I would say it's kind of been a consultative sales approach throughout this. And it's one of my favorite things to talk about because I've spent so much time on it and I have so much, you know, invested in it and I really do believe in it. And so I am more than happy to have people contact me directly. My email is, is Stacy S-T-A-C-Y at Voxer.com. Um, willing to have conversations and, you know, really I want people to understand the difference and to make an objective determination of whether they believe it's truly a viable alternative. And I think that we've done a good job of convincing everyone that we've had the opportunity to speak to, to do that. Um, it's, you know, it, it really does matter because at the end of the day, it has the opportunity to save consumers money. And if somebody can save, honestly, a thousand dollars or, you know, 1500 or $2,000 on what they would pay for title insurance, if they are getting comparable coverage and they are with our product, then then that really matters to a lot of people. Um, it's meaningful savings. You know, that could be an entire monthly mortgage payment for somebody. So when you look at it like that, it makes a huge difference. And it's it's something worth talking about and something worth pursuing. I know. I wish I would have met you before I closed on my house about a year ago. But <laughs> I, I appreciate you having the willingness to have this discussion with me today. And I wish you the best of luck going forward. Thank you very much for your time, Stacey. Same to you. Thank you very much. The U.S. government's Bureau of Labor Statistics produces the Job Openings and Labor Turnover Survey, or JOLTS. 
which in turn informs us of job openings, hires, and separations. I bring this up since we received some fresh evidence yesterday that labor demand is slowing down as the Federal Reserve aims for an economic soft landing. Job openings fell dramatically by 338,000 in July, according to the Jolts report. That brings a seasonally adjusted level to 8.8 million, a decline from the downwardly revised 9.2 million openings in June, and the lowest level since February 2021. And on a year-over-year basis, openings are down 2.5 million. Job openings fell in professional and business services, healthcare and social services, and government. The Fed pays close attention to the jolts number, and this is a sign that the Fed's tightening regime is finally gaining some traction in the labor market. Fed Chair Jerome Powell suggested last week, should the labor market continue to loosen, inflation will continue its downward path. How do you feel about things? Consumer confidence fell dramatically in August, according to the conference board, erasing back-to-back increases in June and July. The index sits at a higher level than one year ago, though there's a sizable gap between what consumers feel about their current situation and how they perceive the future. Receding optimism about the labor market negatively affected consumers' view of the present situation and outlook. On the housing front, U.S. house prices rose 3% between the second quarters of 2022 and 2023, according to the FHFA House Price Index. House prices were up 1.7% compared to the first quarter of 2023 amid low inventories. House prices rose in all states quarter over quarter, and FHFA reported prices rising 0.3% month over month in June, after increasing 0.7% May. That contradicts the S&P Case-Shiller Home Price Index, which fell 1.2% year-over-year in June, after decreasing 1.7% in May. Today's economic calendar kicked off with mortgage applications increasing 2.3% from one week earlier, according to data from MBA. We've also received ADP employment for August in at 177,000, the second look at Q2 GDP up 2.1%, the price index up 2.0%, according to the core PC deflator, and advanced indicators for July in the form of wholesale and retail inventories. Later this morning brings pending home sales for July. We begin the day with agent same yes prices a few ticks, or 30 seconds, better than Tuesday evening, and the 10-year yielding 4.12 after closing yesterday at 4.12. The two-year yield is down to 4.87%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Murphy's Law states that anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Cole's Law is thinly sliced cabbage. (laughs) Keep them straight. (laughs) Thanks again to this week's sponsor, Black Knight. Black Knight is an award-winning software, data, and analytics company that drives innovation in the mortgage and real estate industries in the capital and secondary markets. The company's data and analytics division provides comprehensive property and mortgage data, as well as market-leading analytics. To learn more, visit blackknightinc.com slash climate risk. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.